Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment, tax, or legal advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. I posted and sent this out yesterday, Fed talks Turkey on lower rates, boosting markets. So growing optimism that the Fed may be ready to ease future interest rate hikes sent stocks higher in a quiet trading week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 1.78%, while the S&P 500 added 1.53%. The NASDAQ Composite Index improved 0.72% for the week. The MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, advanced 2.33%. So what does that mean for the Dow? Well, the Dow closed last week at 34347 Uh, That's down 5.48% for the year. The NASDAQ closed at 11226 That's down 28.24% for the year. MSCI EFA Index closed at 1967 That's down 158 0%. The S&P 500 closed above 4,000 at 4,026. That's down 15.53% for the year. The 10-year treasury note closed at 3.69%. That's up 2.17% year to date. So stocks did rally in a light holiday trading week. They, uh, they rallied as investors grew more hopeful of a slowdown in a future rate hike or the, the pace of those rate hikes. The release of the minutes from the early November meeting of the FOMC uh, encouraged investors' optimism. And so as a side note, uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, we're going to get more comments from Fed Chair Powell. Uh, Fed officials suggested such easing may be coming soon. Investor sentiment was also lifted by unexpectedly strong retailer earnings, upside surprises in new economic data, and a better-than-expected consumer sentiment reading. Investors look past the continuing COVID-related challenges that have stymied China's economic recovery and its uh, attendant implications for global growth, i.e. Apple um, and some other companies. So the Fed meeting minutes released before Thanksgiving showed that most Fed officials felt a slowing in interest rate increases would be appropriate. The minutes also suggested that a deceleration in rate hikes may begin with December's meeting with a 50 basis point hike rather than a fifth consecutive uh, 75 basis point hike. The primary reasons for slowing the pace of rate hikes were the growing risk that the Fed may increase rates beyond what was required to reduce inflation to its 2% target and signs that inflation pressures were easing. So we are seeing that, but it takes time uh, for it to get through the economy and you're seeing that show up and that's why they're wanting to potentially slow down the rate hikes. But we'll see what they actually say. There's a lot of speculation. My personal opinion is that I think that they're probably going to go to 50 basis points on the on future rate hikes. Their target may be 5% or so. And they're going to hold that and they're not going to look to pivot or pause 
necessarily um, they're going to be data dependent, but until the end of next year, so the or the fall or the the third fourth quarter of next year, so to where we have enough of an economic slowdown, the equity markets will come down, and then we'll before moving higher after that because we got to get inflation under control. Um, the Jolt survey at the end of this week on Friday, I'm going to be watching to see how that rating and data comes in. If there's more people that are unemployed, um, then that means there's more slack and what the Fed is doing is actually working. If if the, if it's tighter, then um, they're going to maybe have to keep raising rates even more to uh, until it tightens. So that's one of the factors that um, that I'm watching. But this week, key economic data, Tuesday, consumer confidence, Wednesday, gross domestic product, ADP uh, employment reports, and then the JOLT survey, which is job openings and labor turnover survey. Thursday, jobless claims, purchasing managers index or PMI. And then Friday, the update on the employment situation. This week, re companies reporting earnings. Tuesday, workday, uh, that's today into it and CrowdStrike Wednesday Salesforce or CRM, which is that ticker symbol Thursday, Marvell technology, dollar general, and the Kroger company. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving on to the next segment. The world population is expected to peak in the 2080s at 10.4 billion people. Hang in there for a few decades, then fall at the dawn of the 22nd century. The reason? Fertility rates are declining and many countries are not producing enough babies to maintain growth. The populations of 61 countries are projected to drop by at least 1% by 2050. With Eastern Europe suffering the biggest losses, shrinking populations alarm economists. Fewer kids means fewer workers contributing to the economy. At the same time, the growing ranks of older people will require financial support. Everything from our societies to healthcare systems will need to be reimagined. Other countries have the opposite issue. While dozens of nations are grappling with population loss, other countries are experiencing population booms. Eight countries, including Nigeria, Tanzania, and Pakistan, will account for more than half of the projected population increase by 2050. Such blistering population growth can strain resources and make it harder to reduce poverty and provide education, the UN says. Still, with peak human population on the horizon, we should expect demographic declines to become more prominent policy issues per the UN. In 2050, the number of people 65 or over will be more than double the number of kids under five. Think about that. All right. In other news or newsworthy things to talk about on this podcast, I wanted to just share with you something called the yield curve. And the yield curve is uh, basically where there's a pricing of bonds uh, in the market. And uh, I'm going to focus in and hone in on what Schwab has updated as soon as the markets are open. It's all the time for me. So this is something common that I've been watching. And, and literally this morning, I've been watching uh, the rise in bond yields uh, moment by moment. I just want to share this with you guys. So basically, uh, I have access to listings of over 100 dealers offering 30,000 QSIPs each day. 
including more than 20,000 muni bonds. The table that I have access to that I'm not going to go through uh, all of it, but um, shows and displays the yields available for each uh, bond and maturity range in the, in the Schwab trading system, which is based on uh, $50,000 face value amounts in most cases, and they're subject to change. And so I can click on and drill into and then end up going out to the market to be able to uh, buy bonds or sell bonds for clients. And one of the things that I'm noticing here, and it's been talked about quite a bit in the news, as the Fed is raising interest rates, there's US treasuries or what they know or what people know as T-bills that can be bought. They're guaranteed by the government. If you buy them and hold them to maturity, you get your principal plus the interest back. And I just wanna point out today's yield curve on a, on a three month T-bill. So a three month treasury note um, as quoted today, and today is November 29th. The three month T-bill pays 4.406%. So 4.4%, is your bank paying you that? Um, it's interesting to think about that concept. Most banks aren't paying you anywhere near that. Um, so keep that in mind. Six month T-bill, 4.717%. A nine month T-bill, 4.701%. A one-year T-bill is 4.755%. So it's higher. It's increasingly getting higher. Now, what's interesting is this morning, a six-month T-bill was paying 4.7 and a nine-month T-bill was paying 4.6 and change. So there's a bit of an inversion in price differences that happen. But here's what's interesting. The two-year treasury note is currently priced at 4 0.549%. And then a three-year treasury note is less than that even at 4.25%. And then a five-year note is at 3.989%. A 10-year note, 3.74. And then it's not only, it, we don't actually get back above 4% until we get to 20 years out, which is 4.087% as far as pricing today. And then you go another decade out and it's actually less than the 20-year. 3.812%. So what's interesting is you have this yield curve inversion that's happened and it's been going on for quite some time. Um, and, and it usually is an indication that we're within a few six months or eight months or 12 months of a recession. And I've said this on the podcast before, I believe we're already in one. This is, uh, earlier this year, because we're in our 22nd episode, 22nd week of doing this. So um, I just think that we're in a recession and people don't want to recognize that. And the economists don't want to recognize it until we're, until it's like, you know, we're already actually coming out of a recession to look back and say, oh, we were in a recession. Um, but, you know, people can argue it either way. I could, I could actually make the case that we're not in a recession. So it's really confusing to clients and investors who are looking at the market, looking at the economy um, to try to decipher and discern like, are we in one or are we not? Does it really, does it really matter? We have inflation that's up. We have the Fed raising rates. We have the housing market slowing down because the Fed is raising rates and the mortgage rates are gone up. That kind of killed demand on the home front and the prices are high. It, there's like all these variables, factors, whatever you want to call them that are impacting um, our financial lives, our portfolios, how we make decisions, consumer behavior, 
corporate behavior, like CEOs making decisions on how they're going to approach things, people probably getting let go of their jobs, and there'll probably be restructurings happening because corporate profits are getting hit, margins are being squeezed, and so and supply chain issues, all kinds of negative things. There, you know, you can really get into the doldrums about it, but. Um, it's just an opportunity. If you look at it from a positive perspective, glass half full perspective, you can see where, well, maybe there's some opportunities here. And it appears as though uh, in about a year or two, we'll, we'll probably work our way through all of this uh, uncertainty and, and kind of the confusion and all of that type of stuff. But it's not going to come without some pain, which is what Fed Chair Powell was talking about. Um, I did talk to somebody this morning in, in regards to I-bonds, and certainly I-bonds are tied to inflation, uh, and they're backed by the government. And so uh, I-bonds were paying, uh, they were pegged at like over 8% um, uh, earlier this year. Now they've reset down to 6 and they'll be uh, reset again as inflation comes down. And so those aren't um, those aren't bad uh, investments. They're capped at ten thousand, and you got to hold them for three years. If you, I think, if you redeem them before that, you get you lose, you forego the interest that you would have earned. But um, but you could also buy T bills in an investment account, uh, treasury notes that are guaranteed. It's a way to um, just put your money somewhere. If you're if you got excess cash on the sidelines, you're afraid of the stock market. You're afraid of maybe going out and buying intermediate term bonds or bonds that are maybe further out in duration that that don't have that buy and hold short duration element to them. Um, but yeah, it, savings accounts aren't really paying you anything still uh, when you consider inflation uh, being so high. And at least this is a bigger bite into that inflation uh, issue. As inflation comes down, you can roll and what what we what I do is I call it a ladder of uh, treasury notes. So um, if you're looking for cash management or uh, uh, you know short term bonds, which is a way to kind of at least mitigate some of the inflation uh, aspects, is look at buying a three month. Uh, like let's say you had a hundred grand, you could put twenty five grand in a three month, twenty five grand in a six month, twenty five grand in a nine month and 25 grand in a one year. So then uh, out of the 100,000 you've deployed, uh, you have every three months the bond maturing so that you can look at buying another, say one year uh, treasury note, which will keep your bond ladder rolling. And if inflation comes back down and those notes don't look as attractive, then you don't have to buy uh, the next note. Uh, to push it out another three more months. But that's how you kind of manage at least basic uh, ba basic short duration, stable, conservative um, uh, cash. And you can do it um, just laddering uh, treasury notes. So as so long as you hold them to maturity, um, that's the key. If, if you try to go back out in the market and sell them, it, you're just, you're going to get an average, uh, you're going to get a bunch of bids for those bonds and it could be more or less than the price uh, that you're bidding those bonds out to sell them to liquidate your portfolio, liquidate that aspect of the portfolio to go do something else with it or invest in the stock market. So it's at least an option for you versus just sitting on cash, not knowing what to do. There's at least an option there. Talk to someone like myself and look at treasury notes.
um, I'd be happy to talk to you about those because they're better than what the banks are paying you and it's easy to manage. Anyway, um, you could also, uh, if you're in a higher tax bracket, there's some really uh, interesting uh, tax equivalent municipal bonds, AAA bonds that you could look at. Um, I've got yield to maturity on like a one year of 4.44% uh, tax equivalent yield on those. So uh, I think you got to go all the way out to five-year tax equivalent muni of a triple A is 5.965%. Um, so that's not bad. Um, it's getting back to the old days of bond investing um, and the 60-40 model allocation is back. There was a pretty big cohort saying that a 60-40 portfolio, that's 60% stocks, 40% bonds, that portfolio is dead and isn't performing. You need to do something else. Well, it's back because we've had a repricing of the bond market and it's allowing some real yields to come back into the fixed income bond aspects of that of that portfolio. That ballast has come back as the Fed has raised rates and we're looking at potentially a new normal environment, not the environment we've had for the last 10 to 15 years, which has been the Fed basically pay at zero rates ever since the Great Recession. And so fixed income had to adjust and now we're going back up. Um, so there's ways to play that uh, to where you don't lose money in bonds. This year has been one of the worst years to be owning fixed income. Um, and it might we might be a little bit closer to the end than we are at the beginning of that cycle. So uh, keep that in mind uh, when you're looking at portfolios or your own money. Um, there's uh, all, there seems to always be a way to deploy capital in ways that uh, that are that are wise given your unique goals and objectives. I'm just talking in generalities right now, but um, that's why it's important to talk to financial advisor. You're off busy doing your work and doing what you're an expert at, what you're a professional at, and it's good to take a look at. Um, talking with somebody to help you making those invest important investment decisions so that you can hit your goals over the long term. Over the long term. All right, so moving on to the next segment. Hey, this is Brent Foster with your technical analysis spotlight, Northbound Wealth Management. The market ended Thanksgiving week with uh, Dow gaining ground on Friday, while the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ ended the day lower. For the week, all three gained ground with the Dow in the lead and the NASDAQ turning in the weakest performance. That trend is symptomatic of market performance over the last couple of months with the technology sector holding the NASDAQ and S&P 500 back. While money's rotated out of technology and economically sensitive consumer discretionary stocks and into defensive stock groups like staples, utilities, and healthcare, money has also been flowing into industrials, financials, and materials. Typically, healthcare and defensive names um, tend to do well in bear markets, and we're definitely in a bear market. The market is showing still signs of weakness, especially if the Dow is leading. Um, I focus mostly on the S&P 500, as most professionals do, um, looking at the largest 500 companies in the U.S. Um, to as a, as a market, a, a broader econ economic barometer. So um, the, to note, the S&P 500 uh, uh, is, a, is trading actually 
in the mid 3900s. Uh, it was fourth a little about a little bit about 4,000 last week. That's just below the 200-day moving average from the underside again. That's the focus. Is is it's not like we're breaking out and there's a lot of bullishness and people buyers coming in thinking that the that the bear market is over and that that they can press into uh all-time highs and pushing past say August highs. Um that right now is not the case from what the charts are telling us. <clears throat> from what I can tell now is the S&P 500 and the and the the Dow and the the Nasdaq are still in weak points. Um, trading above their 50-day moving averages uh, for the S&P 500, that is, but still below the 200-day moving average. So from a macro point of view, um, things still look pretty bearish. Now, we are getting a uh, typical and usual seasonal Santa Claus rally, um, and uh, that likely should ring true to the end of the year, although I would point out we're likely to be in some trading ranges here uh, over the next several months, potentially uh, there's a potential of uh, breaking down or the S&P 500 breaking down to the 3,100, 3,200 level. There's a large confluence of support there. Um, that would be new lows and uh, pretty bearish actually uh, from where we're trading today, uh, 13 to 20% down from there to kind of finish out this bear market from a market price perspective, I don't know the timing of that. I can kind of guess at that over the next maybe six months or so. But um, but I basically take it one day at a time and one week at a time, one month at a time, one quarter at a time when it comes to trading and and looking at where the market's going to be going. But um, the, the picture is painted. It's kind of weak, uh, relative weakness in tech stocks. And that's a major factor in the S&P 500, um, looking at like the Google, Amazon, Apple, or Alphabet, and, uh, and, and you know, Microsoft, some of those names being weak, it, it kind of presents a case of still further weakness to go before the buyers really come back in and, and take the market out of this bear market, but into this new bull market. So it's it warrants a cautious view and a defensive uh, view, and, and you're actually seeing that behavior play out in the equity markets. Uh, highlighted by certain segments that are, or certain sectors that are defensive, i.e., healthcare. And and if I if I were to point out the XLV as a chart, the XLV is actually uh, looking to uh, maybe break out, and and biotech is looking to potentially break out, and that's that's different than some of the other uh, sectors within the S and P 500. So um, it's important to be watching that as an opportunity. And, and we are doing that here at Northbound Wealth Management. So um, a, lot of the, a lot of the firms are coming out with consensus like price targets on the S&P and for next year for 2023. And they're assigning earnings multiples on the S&P 500. And what I'm seeing is like 3,900, 3,800, 4,000, 4,100, 4,200, and then Somewhere, so it's basically upper three thousands, lower four thousands on the S and P. Um, if the if the S and P five hundred trades down to thirty one hundred or thirty two hundred, that's a a pretty significant move to the upside, and uh, technically would be a good year as far as price is concerned and returns are concerned. If the S and P five hundred bottoms in the early part of next year, which is just a few months away. 
So um, keep that in mind. Um, there's some buying opportunities that potentially could come up. Now, at the beginning of this podcast, I was talking about where the yield curve is at and where uh, T-bills are trading. And if they're at, you know, three month T-bills at 4.4%, 4, 4 and a six months at 4.7, a one year is above that. It, it's it's pretty interesting if you could buy some T-bills and then look at potentially uh looking at equities, uh, when they bottom, you could have a pretty decent year next year in 2023, even in the face of a whole lot of volatility that's likely to happen and be maintained uh, throughout the course of next year, uh, especially with the focus on the Fed and inflation. And when I mean the Fed is raising interest rates and inflation, those are the two big factors, uh, pretty much hitting corporate earnings uh, and margins for companies. So, uh, technicals, fundamentals, you marry the two and you get a pretty good thesis and approach. Uh, and, and if you do that consistently over time, um, uh, you can navigate these waters fairly well. Um, thank you for listening to the technical analysis spotlight, um, as usual spotlighting the SP 500 and stay tuned, uh, till next week, uh, be posting something on Monday or Tuesday. And today is Giving Tuesday. As a reminder, it's always good to give. It's a universal, uh, fundamental law. If you give, you get back. And so think of someone to give to today and have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon.